Tanya Semerad, former lawyer and business leader turned coach. And you're listening to High Performance Made Simple, the show for people who want more clarity, influence, and well-being, so you can live and lead more courageously, unlock your full potential, and inspire others to do the same. Let's do this. Hello, my friend. I'm so glad you're here because I'm going to tell you how to unlock and amplify your fullest energy so you can be more present and focused mentally, feel good about your decisions, and experience more purpose and ease in how you work and live. And it all comes down to energy. Had I known about this earlier, I could have prevented getting sick. I could have prevented unnecessary arguments, stress, neck pain, my goodness, sick days, anxiety. I could have wasted less time overthinking everything, pushing on with the wrong career, going fast in the wrong direction and having to track back, pushing the wrong relationships uphill. That boulder is heavy. Friendships and intimate relationships, you know that. I could have stopped thinking I had to please everyone while I was doing all of this too. Now, the idea here is that energy is the full spectrum, the 360 degrees of how we are mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That you can't just focus on mental and physical energy if you want to unlock your potential, if you want to have the best health, if you want to be happy. Until a few years ago, I had no idea that we had this many sources of energy. I just thought we had mental and physical energy. In fact, I'd never even associated emotion or spirit with energy at all, let alone how they were always in the background shaping my decisions, shaping my career, my direction, the impact I was having and the relationships I was in. So when I felt something was off, I just kept defaulting to mental and physical energy and trying to optimize those areas. For example, when I didn't have mental clarity, I thought I just had to learn something new. So I'd go to a class or hit the bookstore, which I loved, like a candy store to me. When I felt off purpose or unsure of my direction, I thought that I just needed to get another mentor. I needed to see what other people were getting up to. When I felt bored out of my brain, I just thought I needed a break, either to exercise, go for a walk or run, whatever, or to plan a holiday. I mean, going on a holiday is (laughs) an entirely different story, but plan the holiday. When I was bored at work, I also contemplated doing the same thing, but in a different company to then change up the environment, change the scene and go for new promotions. When I felt disconnected, for example, I thought that I needed to just see some friends, you know, have more than a phone call, actually see them in person. And so I organized those coffees and lunches. And while all those things helped, they were only a short-term fix for how I was feeling. And I've actually noticed that most of us defer to either mental or physical energy to explain how we feel, and let's be real, to explain pretty much everything in our lives. That you didn't get enough sleep last night, so that's why you're exhausted. Or you missed your morning coffee, and that's that's why you're feeling out of sorts. 
that you didn't get to exercise and blow off some steam, so that's why you're a bit grumpy today. I actually think that physical exercise, as amazing as it is and we need to do it, can keep us stuck, can keep us in unhappy jobs, unhappy relationships, and in unhappy lifestyles because it becomes a coping mechanism, something to take the edge off and give us an endorphin rush. I mean, I was doing that when I was a lawyer. I found it so boring sitting down so much, staring at a computer, staring into books, staring at other boring people. I needed to exercise at least twice a day to get a happiness rush. Now, I wasn't a manic exercise. I just needed to move my body, whether it was hit a cycle class or go for a walk. But the real issues here were that I didn't know how to manage myself emotionally. I blamed situations or other people and then went and exercised to blow some steam off. I didn't know how to connect to my purpose or my inner spirit. I thought that my purpose would just become obvious one day. And I didn't know how to increase my self-worth. I didn't know how to feel confident enough to explore alternative measures and make significant changes. I kept defaulting to what I already knew. There I was, maximizing my mental and physical energy, but wondering why something still felt like it was missing. And now I know it's because I was still only maximizing to 50%. I was missing emotional and the spiritual corners of energy. It really is no wonder why we say things like, yeah, I'm fine, or yeah, we're okay, or work's good, yeah, it's good. We say that stuff when people ask us how we are. It makes sense. How can we be great? How can we be terrific or excellent when we're working our asses off, but still maxing out at 50%? In many schools, 50% is a fail. And I know We don't say things like we're just okay because we feel bad for letting other people know how terrific we really are. It's not that at all. It's that we've forgotten how to feel great. Yes, this is a serious discussion, but it's also a fun, high energy, high performance discussion. So let's dive in and spend this episode getting an overview of all four areas of energy so you can immediately spot new areas for energy potential. Maximize what you've got. Maximize who you are as a person and achieve your highest potential. My friend, now is the time to become self-actualized. That means to be more creative and innovative, to feel more relaxed and happy, to be less affected by negativity, negative people, and whatever comes across your path, to be able to keep your peace while getting on with your life. This is full self-empowerment and I want that for you. First up, mental energy. Mental energy is about your mind and your brain. What, Tanya, aren't they the same thing? Nuh-uh, they're two very different things that work together. Like bread and butter, they work together. Peanut butter and jelly. George and Amal Clooney. Yes, this conversation can get way more complex, but we're going to keep it simple. So your mind is about your thoughts being how you think how you process what you take in, what you take in with your senses being your sight, smell, sound, touch, taste. You'll have thoughts about whether what you're seeing is good or bad, useful or not useful, whether what you're smelling is delicious or foul, 
Whether what you're hearing sounds crystal clear as music to your ears or full of static and you just want to turn it off. Whether what you feel is soft or rough to touch. Your mind is processing these stimuli and collecting information to store for the short term, like where you put your jingly jangly keys, or for the long term, like what your name is or how to write. Now, your brain, on the other hand, is the physical entity, that pinky gray organ that sits inside of your skull. It weighs about 1.4 kilos for my metric friends and about three pounds for my imperial friends. It's made up of about 60% fat and the remaining 40% is a combo of water, protein, carbs, and salts. There is truth to the saying that you are what you eat because For example, people who heavily reduced fat from their diet in the 80s and 90s, so they had that low-fat, no-fat, zero-light-fat stuff on products, experienced early-onset dementia, amongst other things, because they robbed their cells of lipids, also known as that sack of fats and oils present in every cell and required for cells to function happily. Unhappy cells start to grow into ugly shapes and sizes and they eat happy cells. A bit like what happens when someone unhappy at work starts to get really pissed off and wants to crush other people who just seem happy. Happiness not allowed, I will destroy you. So in terms of energy then, your brain is producing enough energy to power a 20 to 25 watt light bulb. So check out a lamp or a light that's around you now. It's about that. Your brain is always producing helpful chemicals as well, like neurotransmitters, which we need for basic bodily functioning and your mental well-being. Now, don't let that put you off neurotransmitters. I bet you know a thing or two about them. I know you've heard of endorphins, I know you heard of dopamine, and even serotonin, right? So my good friend and ex-pro rugby player and psychology specialist, all the things, Andres Pretorius was explaining the core group of neurotransmitters that are responsible for mental well-being. And they are, here we go, five of them, cortisol, oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin. Now, these neurotransmitters, in that order, conveniently spell the acronym CODES, C-O-D-E-S, cortisol, oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins, serotonin. So now you'll be able to remember them too, because when there is too much or too little of each of these core neurotransmitters, you are going to feel like sugar, honey, ice, and tea. Now, that's another acronym for you. (laughs) So, for example, cortisol's main job is to regulate stress which is a good thing for being able to concentrate and regulating blood pressure, especially if you're at work or driving. So too much cortisol and then you've got a decreased immune system, again, amongst other things. So you can say hello to mistakes, sick days, heart palpitations, you name it. Another example, endorphins. One of my personal favorites, The word endorphin is born from two words, endogenous, meaning from within the body, and morphine. You know what that is? A pain reliever. So endorphin is a natural pain reliever made by your body, helping you to manage stress, helping enhance your immunity, 
helping you feel more sexy when it's time to get it on. Yes, endorphins are released during the pleasurable activities, hence why you feel good after exercise. And if you're a runner, you'll know all about the runner's high. Remember how good you feel after a massage. Oh, all the pleasurable activities. Sign me up. And I'm not being rude, duh. This is science, people. Get your head out of the gutter. And we don't want to be grumpy gits, do we? Going about the day, scheming, dumping our dissatisfaction onto other people, wondering why we never feel truly great or happy, feeling all sad because other people don't want to do pleasurable activities with us. We are responsible for regulating ourselves and engineering the circumstances in our lives that generate mental energy and mental well-being. And this is where mind and brain work together. Hand in hand, George and Amal Clooney, your mind uses your brain. Your mind uses your brain and your brain responds to your mind. It responds by producing wonderful chemicals like neurotransmitters, making networks, feelings, and the rest of it. Where I see people falling over in the mental energy department is when I hear things like, Oh, Tanya, that thing you're banging on about, you know, I just don't know. I've always been this way. You know, people who say things like this are explaining away their own progress and potential. They're giving away their power by limiting themselves to how they've always thought. They've made decisions about themselves and what's possible for them when they were back in high school and they're still believing those things. Would you take career advice from a 17-year-old? I'm not sure. People who believe that they've already peaked in life, they also tend to repeat themselves too, don't they? They repeat the same stories, the lorry stories. They eat the same kinds of food. They have the same ways of working. They just prefer doing things the way they've always done them. On a relationship level, they repeat the same patterns too. They seem to attract the same kind of love partner, don't they? Or they have the same argument. Something is always wrong. Have you ever had a friend like that? They seem to suffer from the same kind of problems. There's a mental block there, isn't there? And that's just the beginning because when you repeat yourself too much and become addicted to how you've always been, you become neurotic. Neurotic from repeating those same thoughts, eating the same food, doing the same things, stressing over the same stuff, generating anxiety, acting all obsessive, blaming other people, and eventually blaming depression. Now, what I'm going to say next will be controversial, but I firmly believe what psychotherapist, healer, and hero of mine, Dr. Wayne W. Dyer, said about depression. Now, get ready, my friend. Here it is. There is no such thing as depression. There is no such thing as depression. You can't leave the house and collect a bucket of depression to bring home. There are simply people thinking depressive thoughts, people thinking low energy negative thoughts. They've got themselves into a habit of thinking the same thoughts. And we are creatures of habit. So that makes sense. It also makes sense that these low energy thinking habits could do with some updating, could do with some upgrading, could do with the introduction of some new self-empowering thoughts into that mental thought stream, crowding out the negative ones. And it doesn't have to be 
a white coat experience either that you save all your money for because you want to wait until someone can help you. No, because the beauty of using your mind and having your brain respond to your mind is that you can just decide. You can choose to think more positive, self-empowering thoughts moment to moment. That's all we're doing anyway. And when you do that, you trigger neurotransmitters. Exactly. Your mind thinks positive thoughts, you decide that, and your brain responds by creating, releasing neurotransmitters like serotonin. Now that's the actual job of antidepressants, to trigger more serotonin and happy hormones so you feel good. So my friend, don't stay on antidepressants if you're there. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. Get your advice. This is just a really powerful idea. Your mind is thought and your brain responds to thought by releasing neurotransmitters and emotional experiences that you want. I know you get this. Preferring to choose old negative thoughts tells me that you want to keep other people trapped and feeling bad. You want to keep people feeling guilty for what they've done to you And now you're enjoying the fact that they're paying you a lot of attention to kind of repay or undo what they've done in the past. It's telling me that you've created a comfortable enough experience in life and you don't want to take responsibility for yourself. It tells me that you have very low self-esteem, low self-worth. You don't believe in your ability to figure out a new way of life. So if you find yourself thinking these depressive thoughts, my friend, I urge you to get help, to see a psychologist and change up your environment. Don't hang out with other neurotic people who will keep repeating the same advice to you, which clearly isn't working. And if you're a relatively secure person, you're secure in yourself and you're up for a challenge, your challenge is to be the friend Be the family member who stokes other people's self-worth, someone who asks questions that reminds people of their success and their potential, someone who talks about things that get other people to believe in themselves again, get other people excited about what's possible, Someone, someone who snaps people out of their funk. We need more people like that in the world, not gossipers, not low level energy people, not people who pander, not people who say, oh, I'm sad too. I didn't get that kind of care either. Let's be sad together. (laughs) No, don't make it about yourself. That is just toxic. And if this is your circle, you'll always be trapped. You'll never unlock your potential unless you take control of your mind and get yourself some new thoughts and some new friends. My point here is there is no magic pill for mental well-being and mental energy, let alone the mental fortitude and confidence that comes from that. Antidepressants and recreational drugs, recce drugs, won't help you either. They'll just delay the process of self-empowerment and in the meantime, damage your organs. Remember, mental energy and well-being simply starts with mind, with thoughts. So if you like this neuroplasticity, mind, brain stuff as much as I do, let's geek out together in the next episode. We can dive further into mental energy, how to harness it, and I'll give you some excellent resources for specialists in neuroscience that I have learned from. For now, your key takeaway 
is that your mental energy and well-being is determined by your thoughts together with your physical brain. And you've got to get them positive and healthy if you want more mental energy. Next up, emotional energy. Something I've been working on for what feels like all of my life. I've done all the personality tests. I love a quiz. And what some psychologists call me is an empath. A highly empathetic person cries easily and finds it difficult to not be affected by other people positively and negatively. So yes, you've heard it firsthand. It is exhausting being a human sponge, (laughs) soaking it all up and crying it all out. But by understanding emotional energy and combining it with mental, physical and spiritual energy, which we'll hear about shortly, I'm proud to say that I've taken ownership of my emotions, not by stifling them either or ignoring them, but by redirecting them, redirecting the flow of emotional energy. How? Because emotion is simply energy in motion. Emotions are instant impact. They can change in an instant too. For example, when you're walking down the street and someone knocks into you, How dare they be so blind and bloody inconsiderate? And you turn around to see who they are, give them a good look up and down, and you realize they are blind. They are actually vision limited and they didn't see you. Suddenly, that anger drains away as quickly as you wish the earth would open up and swallow you whole. Anger is gone and quickly replaced by embarrassment, apology, and Wondering, (laughs) wondering whether being on your phone was more important than looking out for a fellow human, a fellow human who needed you to watch where the hell you were going. Has something like that ever happened to you? (laughs) It's happened, yes. How about another time when you've been convinced that something bad was happening? You felt the emotions run hot and high and then realized that it wasn't at all what you thought it was. Like getting home early from work hearing moans and groans from the master bedroom, thinking, what the heck? Marching down the hallway, throwing the door open in a rage and then seeing the love of your life, fixing the heavy shelf to surprise you before you got home. Suddenly you feel all warm and tingly and happy and probably a bit relieved too. So if emotion is energy in motion able to be redirected at a moment's notice, then what are feelings? Well, my friend, feelings are the thoughts we've had, the decisions we've made, and the stories we tell ourselves about what the emotion means. Feelings are thoughts. Feelings are thoughts in your mind. For example, you say, I feel hurt, even after the hurt has happened. You say, I feel happy, even after that moment of happiness has happened. You say, I feel embarrassed after you felt embarrassed. You say, I feel loved, thinking about the last few days or last week or last month you've had after the fact. Feelings become part of our identity, how we see ourselves, how we talk about ourselves. Think about, you know, maybe you felt embarrassed speaking in front of a large group. Maybe you coughed and then some snot came out of your nose. (laughs) or your underwear was showing, and now you avoid speaking in public. Your cheeks burn bright red at the very thought. Or maybe you had the best kiss ever, 
And whenever a song comes on that reminds you of that moment, you feel all giddy and warm and such a pucker your lips a bit. Mm-mm-mm. You know, we have feelings, thoughts about certain emotions we've had in the past. So if something reminds us of those emotions, say a negative emotion, something reminds us of a negative emotion, we feel that we want to avoid it, don't we? And we say we don't like it. That's not us. But if something reminds us of a positive emotion, we want to relive it. We want it again and again and again. And this is where emotions and feelings interplay. They play like George and Amal Clooney. High performers know that if they want to feel a certain way, motivated, excited, passionate, they're able to trigger that feeling thought, which recreates the emotional release, the emotional reaction inside of their bodies, flooding them with the feel-good factor they need to motivate themselves, to inspire, to energize themselves. However, The same thing happens when you think back, when you hark on back to negative thoughts, doesn't it? Because you re-experience that negative emotion and then you start to feel like sugar, honey, ice and tea again, that old acronym. (laughs) When your partner turns to you on the couch, you've been having a lovely evening and sees a look on your face and asks, what's wrong? (laughs) And you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to tell you that I'm remembering something from three years ago. (laughs) I didn't like you too. I didn't like you that you did. And now I'm all upset about it again. (laughs) Yes, yes, I'm speaking personally. So the takeaway here is that thinking positive or negative thoughts creates the emotional experience in your body. Again, your brain is responding to your mind by releasing chemicals that support the thought. For negative or stressful thoughts, you'll experience higher cortisol, higher heart rate, weird breathing. For positive or happy thoughts, your brain will respond by releasing those feel-good neurotransmitters like oxytocin that comes from touch and community, endorphins from exercise, and serotonin. So choose to feel good, my friend. I'll save an in-depth discussion of emotional energy for another episode because I'm going to tell you way more about emotional energy, including the fact that emotions have an energetic frequency that is measurable by scientific instruments. (laughs) True story. And this is useful info because emotional energy gives a charge to how we walk how we talk, how we work, how we relate to other people, how we make decisions. But I'll save that for future episodes, so stay tuned for that. Ah, physical energy. You're doing so well and we're more than halfway through already and you know all about this type of energy. Physical energy is about your ability and strength to do active stuff, to do the physical things. Running, lifting weights, boxing, cycling, they're my favorites. Playing tennis, football, rugby, doing a full vinyasa flow. I love that too. Most of our physical energy comes from food, yeah? Like putting fuel in the car or plugging your phone into the charger. The energy coming into our bodies is through food. Our bodies break down food into smaller components to make it absorbable. And this is mainly done from four key nutrients. We've got carbs, proteins, fat, and water. So as well as helping you function on the outside, energy is also fueling your body's functions on the inside. Remember when I said earlier that you are what you eat? 
well, physically, the energy you consume is fueling your body's functioning, repairs. It's doing the building and the maintenance inside of you, inside of your cells. How do you think you grow skin? (laughs) What do you think thoughts are? That's all energy. So this is what physically powers your ability to move your body, to get to work, to exercise, to move around. And water, water is amazing. Water is lubricating and cushioning your joints. It's protecting your spine and other sensitive tissues. It's getting rid of waste. Hello, when we use the bathroom, when we sweat, and of course, helps you keep a normal temperature. You create more physical energy for yourself when you eat the right foods. You know that. When you drink enough water, you know that. When you limit alcohol, we all know that. Avoid caffeine and smoking. No smoko breaks, just a break. And so you get the energy also when you get the right amount of sleep because sleep is when your body is repairing itself. Magic happens when we sleep. You also need to get enough exercise. And what I love about exercise is that it, it triggers something that we don't normally think about, but something that we do all the time. And that's breathing. My friend, you have to breathe enough. When you breathe in, oxygen goes in through your nose and mouth and travels directly to the pulmonary alveoli that are covered with blood capillaries. Now, these enable oxygen to pass straight into the bloodstream and bathe all the cells in your body. Oxygen is required to turn food into energy. And when we're stressed at work, typing away, worried about what the markets are doing, whether or not we still have a job at the end of that day, we are increasing our stress. When we increase our stress, weird stuff happens to our breathing. We start to breathe more shallow. We're not breathing full, fully in, oxygenating ourselves. So there's little organelles called mitochondria, like imagine little battery packs. They're relying on oxygen to transform the nutrients from the food you've eaten into energy that your body can use. And of course, physical energy is very much linked to mental and emotional energy because the brain and your central nervous system are the biggest consumers of oxygen. (sighs) Breathe it all in. So if you're stressed, anxious, not breathing properly, then you are more likely to experience the symptoms of chronic fatigue, the symptoms of nervous tension, memory loss, pretty serious stuff. So that's why pleasurable activities like exercise, yoga, meditation make you feel so good because you're getting enough of the good stuff by activating multiple energy sources all at the same time. Talk about efficiency. So I exercise and meditate every single day. I simply don't expect to manage my day, manage stress, manage progress, projects, relationships. I even don't expect to be happy, let alone unlock my potential, without giving my mind and my physical body the conditions required to thrive. How can I expect it? Expecting to do well in life without taking care of yourself really is insane. And I hope this basic science made that clear. Not to mention, people are always watching your colleagues, your kids, So you're being a poor role model to these people, to these kids, our future, by neglecting your health. We are ready to move on to the final energy category and my personal favorite, 
saving the best for last, spiritual energy. Most professionals I know are hesitant to talk about spirit, and I used to be one of them. I thought it was unprofessional, but then I realized the real reason behind why we didn't want to bring these discussions into business, and it's because we don't like, as professional people, making representations about things we don't understand. No one, unless they're deluded, pretends to understand stuff they don't, right? Well, I'm coming out. I'm coming out because I understand spirit now. I understand it. I understand it with my mind, my body, and my spirit. I will do a separate episode on spiritual energy. However, I must admit that sometimes I do feel uncomfortable talking about it. For instance, my partner walked up to me as I was making notes for this episode and I strategically, gently moved a paper underneath another to hide the words spiritual energy, which I'd highlighted in bright purple. (laughs) Seems I've got more work to do releasing those old fears, you know, fears that if I talk about spirit, really smart people think I'm stupid. Um, Anyway, here I am coming back out because thinking that way with those fear thoughts is doing a disservice to people. And ultimately it's unfair to make those kinds of assumptions of others as well. So I will do a full episode on energy energy, and then some, but for now, here is an overview of spiritual energy. And I'm going to give it to you in two compelling reasons for why spiritual energy is important for you to be able to unlock your potential in your career and relationships. And ultimately, my friend, your happiness. Why are we doing all of this? We want to be happy. So here we go. Reason number one, your ability to be inspired at work and anywhere in your life comes from spirit. The word inspiration comes from the Latin word inspiratus, which means breathe into, to fill, to inflame, to excite. Again, if you felt that, it's because all of these things are energy. Breath, fire, passion, it's all energy, energizing and inspiring you. And when you're inspired at work, you feel this energy, don't you? And it's way more than motivation could ever give to you, isn't it? Because motivation runs out. The push, the chase, the grind, the carrot, the stick, we don't care after a while. That runs out. And then we get headaches. We go on vacations and feel guilty, wasting time. We get burnt out and we get bored. What's the point? Inspiration, on the other hand, is like an obvious, easy, gravitational pull. Nothing seems too hard, even when there are obstacles, which there will be. Things flow over and around the obstacles because you have a vision. You have a greater, higher vision of the potential available that is able to be fulfilled. You are filling your career with excitement, fueling yourself with passion, This is why when you do what you love or love why you're doing something, you don't work a day in your life. You have boundless energy breathing life into you. Suddenly the odd night with less sleep because you've been working on this passion project doesn't matter so much. You forget to drink coffee. You haven't gossiped in ages because you're busy building. And when you're inspired by something or someone, You sense your purpose. My friend, you fill your life with purpose. Another compelling reason. 
You make better decisions with spiritual energy because you're guided by a relationship with your highest self, not your lowest self, which we usually by default make decisions from. The lowest or lowest self motivates you to make decisions out of fear-based, scarcity thinking. Here are some examples. Fear that you'll fail and be humiliated from that failure. So that's why you don't start the business you're thinking about. Fear that you'll be found out and fired. So you don't say what you really want to say in meetings. You just keep your head down and agree with other people. Fear that you'll be rejected and lonely. So you stay in relationships or situationships or singleship because you're afraid of getting hurt. Fear thinking is our default because of survival. Our past experiences and our perceived limitations which people often call their reality or identity, this is who I am, for better or for worse, have kept us alive. So our default preference is to go with what we already know because it has kept us alive. We're here. Better the devil we know. Even if we are aching, even if we're aching for a greater purpose. I know that makes sense to you. So in order to go beyond your current experience of life and to unlock what is possible, we have to introduce inspired thinking and more deliberately choose inspiration over uninspired, fear-based, scarcity-lack thinking. When you make decisions from your higher or higher self, you're backing yourself from a place of creativity and innovation. You're not repeating the past just because you're more comfortable with it, for better or for worse. Just because something has worked before doesn't mean you should be doing it again. Here's another one. You work from cooperation over competition. So you favor support, encouragement, empowering each other, sharing knowledge and ideas, sharing information over, well, I'm just going to keep this to me because I had to get this the hard way and I deserve this and I don't want them to get more than me over competition. When you come from your higher self, you're service orientated. You're about giving. You're about leading by example. You're about doing and giving your best, not just something half-baked or something that just something that just hits the bare minimums. When you act from your higher self, you care. You really care about your contribution. You care about the outcome, but you aren't attached to it. You flow with it. That might sound contradictory, but what I mean here is that the outcome doesn't weigh on making you a better or worse person or a better or worse professional. You don't necessarily identify with the poor or incredible result. You identify with how you contributed and your values in that moment, in how you contributed. So to bring this positive energy into your organization and life and to make it more tangible, you have to cultivate a relationship with your higher self. You've got to get exclusive and intimate with your higher self. And it's not cheating. Being in a relationship with your higher self means having a relationship with yourself. Self, capital S. And what do you do when you're in a healthy relationship? You write to them. You spend time with them. You talk to them and you listen to them, don't you? If praying is talking to God, then intuition 
is God talking to you? And you've got to listen, my friend. Part of this process is gaining clarity because the way you activate spiritual energy in that tangible way when you're at work and when you're at home is through your values. Your values, your highest values need to be your reference point, your filter for making decisions. So listen to the first few episodes on clarity of self, clarity of of relationships, clarity of goals and habits, and actually spend time on building your relationship with your highest self. Now there's extra bang for your buck because you gain clarity and connect with your higher self and get to bring inspiration to your work and life. Hello, free energy. You are mega for getting to the end of this episode. Thank you for being here. And I'd love if you'd support the High Performance Made Simple podcast. Baby, you would light my fire. Please share it with three awesome people, maybe your friends, maybe your colleagues, and maybe someone you'd really like to take for coffee. To catch the latest from me, you can follow my show right here on the platform to get the latest updates on episodes and also check out some useful content that I've got up on LinkedIn and YouTube at Tanya Semerad or Instagram and TikTok if you prefer that at Tanya underscore high performance. And I look forward to tuning in with you again soon. Ciao for now.